Welcome to Podula Rasa. I'm David Blank. And I'm Jim Ash. This is a podcast about finding something in nothing. This is show 18, the closer of season one. I can't believe we're actually here. What a long, strange trip it's been. <laughs> it sure has been. It seemed like a good bookend to kind of close 2020 on and then start up 2021 with another one, you know, a different one. We still, we still have some more interviews to get through. I know I do, and I'm working on them, but slow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very interesting. Like when I first presented the idea, when we were first talking about the idea of doing an 18th podcast about, you know, sort of a check-in, uh, I had this really well-formed thought in my head of a very specific set of things that I thought, well, we should cover this, we should cover this, we should cover this specifically about Tom. So it just seemed like it's the 18th, you know, and uh, this being so close to the anniversary of his passing away. And I feel like I've learned a lot about him and about his impact on me, but in a very general sense, in terms of like how people impact other people that you don't even think about. Then I started listening to some of the episodes thinking, well, I'll get some more ideas. And the more I listened, the more nebulous it became. And it was almost like um, it became overwhelming. It became completely overwhelming to the point where I just thought I, I felt two days ago, I felt completely paralyzed. I mean, I almost because I thought, where did all, where did it all go? Like I had this great idea. I even wrote I wrote things down. They don't mean what they meant before. Like, why is this? And I, and I, I don't know what it means exactly, but um, I feel more in touch with what, what he was doing that I, and that I never felt I knew before. Like I was listening to Danielle DeCaro's episode the other day. And I, when she was talking about um, reading Emerson with him and I, and for my first thought was, damn, you know, I never did that, you know, and, and I had opportunities, but for whatever reason, I just never did. Even, even later in life when he said, let's, you know, let's be friends. And I was like, yeah, well, I got this little kid and I got a wife and I got, you know, I, how am I going to do this? I'm in New Hampshire. And um, I think that the message was more about how you deal with people in general. As I've listened to some of these episodes and reflect on them, I, I feel it's I feel very in touch with the people like so much of what they say echoes how I felt and what my perceptions were. But I do feel a little bit of a sense of loss where I only had time for one semester class. And lots of these folks had them for multiple classes and uh, they were, you know, more than one year and they got to play more music with him and record music and all that and we just had a touch of that just a little taste of it yeah and uh it's like it's that feeling of what might have been oh it's a it's a combination of that it's like it's a combination of what might have been because yeah you know even people who had relationships with him after high school or just you know like people like jimmy or um johnny g you know they they just they just kept they just kept going like all the way through the rest of his life. Yeah, so I guess there's a there's a sense of loss there that of what could have been but you know but I but I also have to think that it's 
it's kind of something about looking forward and looking and, and making more of this moment. You know, like, I mean, I'm, in a way, I'm a little envious. I almost used that word myself. Yeah. I'm glad you used it first. Okay. <laughs> Not in a bad way, but just, no. you know, right. you know, like, uh, like, wow, that would have been so cool. But I think it's changed me. I think this doing this podcast has changed me in terms of how I think about my relationships to people now, both friends, people I respect, people I don't respect, maybe my students. I, th I feel like I understand people a little bit better having looked through the lens of who Tom was and in a way how he's, who he still is because, mm -hmm. you know, he, he's not here, but, you know, in a lot of ways he is, we're, we're, we're talking about him. He's in the room with us right now. That's, I mean, that's, he's present. Well, um, as long as you have those memories and those impressions that were made, as long as you're alive, they're still there. Right they're in your you you just pull them back into your present i feel like i know him better now right he he was this kind of enigma before he was kind of mysterious he flew in it was about a year of sort of impact right and and but now i feel i have a much richer appreciation for what he was up to and that this this kind of thing that I experienced with him was all these other people had as well. Right. Right. All this has totally influenced my teaching for the good. It's absolutely. I, I think of it constantly. I just feel like these shows have just, it's like feeding the fire. Like there's more and more fuel there and, it, and I have more ideas and I, I think I'm a better person when I work with the students. Your hawk is outside the window. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And he's not leaving. So you also were telling me that the number 18 has significance. Oh, well, in the, in the Bible, the, uh, the number 18 is a number for life. Not that I'm that religious, but it's if you take the, the letters in the Hebrew, in the Hebrew uh, for, for, for life, it, it's uh, basically two letters that add up to 18. So the letters have numbers assigned to them. I, yeah, I there's it. a lot of numerology uh, early religious stuff and and even now because just people love numbers but yeah yep. so the, so it seemed it seemed appropriate to have one to have this one just be a, a reflection uh, kind of on life in a way but you know through the lens of what we're doing there was a story that Lori Friedman told I'm not sure if it made the final cut on the podcast but it was in the full interview where she mentioned this that's something about the, the number 18 came up but she gave him a Christmas gift did you do you remember that story oh yeah yeah uh, and, she, and he thought that she gave him 18 dollars or something he, he thought that's all she had <laughs> <laughs> that's right yeah 
because it because it's a significant it's a significant number. The thing is, when you really think about what it is that we're doing, it's it's a little overwhelming, and maybe maybe in part because I've just been so busy this term. But it's just like I I get into that loop of no matter what I do, and it's not going to be enough, <laughs> you know, and it's not going to be good enough. Well, if I look at the past season, it it's it's been an interesting arc. So, yeah, okay, all right. So to backtrack, we didn't know what we were doing. We still don't know what we're doing. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's good that way. (laughs) I think you started, that was like the John Hassel quote sort of was the the initial inspiration for the whole thing. Yep. Starting off with Bright Shiny Things, where we we weren't really sure where we were going, I don't think, for a couple of episodes. I still want to interview him. He still and he still hasn't written back to me. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe he's a fan and he listens to it now. Who knows? <laughs> but he may be. I mean, it's like, isn't that something like logical it issue? Could be. Like where just because we don't know he's listening doesn't mean he's not listening. And if a tree falls in the forest, does it make a sound? <laughs> 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 so show two was listener feedback i i remember that one because of kevin kevin just cracked me up in that we yeah. we we I, we had no listeners so we we kind of like i don't know how you force kevin to listen to it <laughs> well how how do you get people on you know to listen is put them on the show <laughs> right you're gonna be a special guest <laughs> right and then they tell their friends and so on and so on and but kevin helped to sort of guide it in a small way it sort of helped define what we were doing i thought i'd love to hear back from kevin so kevin if you're listening you're you're always welcome show three was on meditation right yeah um i think we were just talking about how we were getting into it and you you were giving a lot of good advice about tm but we were still finding our way that's right it's like what are we going to talk about well what are we interested in okay let's talk about that but it's been kind of a thread Yes. Oh, yeah. The meditation's been in and out, and it's um, we've gotten some good feedback from people about those discussions. Yesterday was a particularly strange day. Actually, I, I meditated for the first on uh, for the first time in a while. I mean, I'd been meditating, but um, I actually made it through twenty minutes. <clears throat> and then last night, I got an email from one of the schools that I work at from one of the deans, because somebody I never hear from. I should never hear from them. Or if I if I do, it's not a good thing. And they they were thanking me for working with a student who basically posted onto the school's Facebook page about this experience that she had had with me. And it, she'd been going through something very personal, and she missed some assignments. Contacted me, and I apparently was very empathetic, and you know, like I, I didn't do anything out of the ordinary, but but it was enough that they flagged this Facebook post and wanted to find out who her instructor was. And uh, then wrote to me to thank me for what I would just do normally, which was just like so unbelievably cool. Cause you know, it's like that validation that, okay, like I'm doing it right. You know, I've been really busy this term and it, it's actually felt like I've been too much, too busy. And so 
even though I was too busy, that didn't fall off the table. And then I got a raise at a, at a different <laughs> school. <laughs> it was like within 30 minutes, boom, boom. My wife looked at me and said, what's the next thing? <laughs> like, like, you know, these things just don't happen like that. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good. Cause like sometimes you get to the end of semesters and you, um, I often feel burned out and I feel like, uh, I could have done so much better. And, you know, you sort of, and then on a sour note sometimes or, or whatever, and everyone's just kind of bitter and wants a divorce, but then you get a little bit of validation, a little bit of praise helps. Like I, I found this, I put this in my Substack article, like I came across a review of me as a teacher and the person called me literally a golden retriever in human form. <laughs> wow. And at first I was like, whoa, should I be offended by that? Or then I was like, no, I really like that. Like, I, I mean, that is a high compliment to be compared to a dog. <laughs> That's awesome. That's nice. I, I, I don't hear good feedback frequently. Like usually the people who are happy just leave. And the people who are unhappy either just leave or they expound very negatively. Right. But it's never enough that I don't get rehired. So, <laughs> yeah. Know? And then once in a while, like to, like yesterday, I get that amazing validation. You said something about uh, meditation, like you were getting back into meditation. Have you, oh. and you, you made it through 20 minutes. Has it been a struggle lately? It has. Yeah. Like I'd, I'd find myself sitting down and just saying, okay, I'm just going to do this. And, between one and five minutes goes by and then I think oh I gotta go do something and I like I end up like the meditation ends with me like on the third thing that I was going to do <laughs> you know that couldn't wait 20 minutes so yeah it's been so it's been frustrating I it it waxes and wanes like that for me but when I'm into it I'm into it and it's it's always really good I mean have you had have you been continuing with your meditation i have but i've been struggling with it too i think because of the anxieties with the and the busyness of the end of the semester i'd say the last month it's been there's been days i've missed yeah which was very upsetting and then like there'd be some days where i can't even get to it till like bedtime basically so i'll meditate in bed before sleeping which i, I don't like to do that mm. it's either. it's it's not the same experience it's been more of a struggle to get to it. And the, the, but the thing I've noticed is when I don't do it, I have a bad day. Like I really miss it. And the days when I make time to do it, the day usually turns out better or I'm calmer. I, I just, I'm, I'm more like at peace or something and able to deal with the stress better. So it's like, I really need and want to do it. It's been a struggle. The other thing I'm that I'll build on that is I've, I've, I've felt so out of shape lately. I've gained some weight and I, I need to start exercising and so forth. So, so now what I'm doing is like walk. I, I'm not running right now, but I go for long walks and, and I'll, I'll be out for like an hour, sometimes an hour and a half, usually three to five mile walk. That's what we do. My wife and I walk together. Oh, awesome. It's for about an hour. And yeah. it, it really helps me. We used to belong to a gym and we, we basically quit because of COVID because it was just, they were closing every other day and just finally like, this is ridiculous. Why are we doing this? Mm -hmm. So 
but walking is definitely um, it's it's a, it's a great thing to do every day. You know, you can you can burn a bunch of calories, and um, I know I feel better when I do it. Or if I miss a day, it's kind of like meditation. If you miss a day, you, you notice it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. The thing is, it's like it's a meditation, though. Yeah, it's a walking meditation. And I don't, I don't listen to any music or anything. I just go out. I don't even put my hearing aids in. I just go out really early around sunrise. It's extremely meditative and it's been super great for my stress. Yeah. Do you find that um, uh, it's better at a certain time of day, kind of like meditation? Walking? Yeah. doesn't matter when you do it. Morning. Yeah. Early morning. Same for me, both. Like if I, if I, if I don't meditate by like six or seven in the morning, I'm, it's hard. It's really yeah. hard to do it. But if I get, the, if I get in there at five or five 30, then I'm good. And I feel like I've done something at the very start of the day that motivates me to go further. It's sometimes it's hard to even find the 20 minutes or the hour to walk. It, it's, you really have to commit to it. Yeah. yeah. Some, some days with meditation, uh, for one reason or another, I don't do it in the morning. I've been going through this with COVID, like the, during the pandemic, um, early into that, there would be a time of day where both Stacy and I would get real antsy and sort of aggravated and just restless and listless. Usually it was around three in the afternoon or so. And then I think over the summer that kind of subsided. And then now it's for me, it's come back a little bit. So around maybe two in the afternoon or so, I just, I usually am very productive in the mornings and sort of early, the early half of the day. And then like by afternoon, I'm like, well, what now? I kind of checked all my boxes off and, and then I'm, I get sort of like, Ugh. by dinner time, I often make dinner. So that that's something to do. I like, I keep busy with that, but that before dinner, hours can be a struggle that's often a good time to meditate if i remember that and say okay well you you don't know what to do just sit there and do nothing what i really would like to do is do both times do 20 minutes in the morning maybe 20 minutes in the afternoon i know that's what the tm you're supposed to do that is what they say yeah and i think that's a really good idea i just have to to make the time get into that habit well, you're on your way. You know, it's a path. You're on your way. It's interesting. You mentioned about the, uh, the effect of the pandemic and, you know, the, the change in your routine and how that affected you. And in my head, I started thinking about, um, I wonder how, if it was easier or harder for people during the Great Plague in the 1660s, you know, the Black Death, <laughs> because a lot of people just left the cities and and went into the country for like years. I mean, that's Isaac Newton did for two years. He left literally and like went to a monastery, I think, and invented calculus. But I was going to ask, was he productive while he was away? Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. He invented calculus. (laughs) But can you imagine like there was nothing else to do there? I mean, you just had to stay alive and not go into the city. And I wonder if it's harder or easier now that we have, these other things that we can do and distractions and, you know, TV and, or whatever. And it's only, you know, 450, 60 years later. It's funny you mentioned Newton because in, in Shakespeare's day, they would sometimes close the theaters because of an outbreak of the plague. Right. 
And Shakespeare was super productive in those hiatuses when he probably would left. We don't know for sure, but he probably went left London, maybe went back to Stratford where he was born. He would come back and then, you know, King Lear would come out or. Yeah, well. Here's what I did while I was on vacation. Yeah, right. <laughs> From the plague. <laughs> God. I thought that show four, the persistence of memories used in the Druids behind the music is when it really clicked in for me. It, it entwined with the Tom Williams experience, which was going to come two shows later when we finally like realized that we wanted to spend more time with that. It was a puzzle for me, like to put the pieces of memory together. And it was so much fun over the summer to try to like connect those dots. I uh, just... That was a very satisfying one to work on. And I, I really liked the conclusion I wrote for it. it and was the, the whole fact that the video that we watched of our band performance from what was it, 38 years ago? Yeah, crazy. Um, still mind blowing. Well, it's like you're going back and, and touching a, an origin point, you know, that you didn't think you had access to anymore. And there it is. Mm -hmm. you know, and it's still electric. Right. <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah, that you did a great job on that one. Yeah. And then show six, two shows later, was the first Tom Williams experience show. And that's, I believe, our most popular show, show yeah. six. And yeah. then like it started to find all these people who then reached out to us and it started to snowball then. But that we we had so much more time in the summer, at least I did, to kind of do this. Yeah. But I think we got in well, you start doing all these interviews and as they, they, they started to pile up. And I'm like, still oh my piles. God. <laughs> <laughs> and then you, you had that sort of genius idea to, to do the birthday show right. where you strung together um, bits and pieces from all these different interviews to at least get something out there for, from all those people. Right. So that worked out really well. And then it's been kind of, like knocking them down one by one going through and getting them out but it's been a lot harder during the fall long story yeah. short in a way i've kind of felt like thinking back about tom williams was a was a huge meditation for me certainly every time i listened to a completed show um and then when i did that one show myself that was that was quite a meditation because it was it was so creative and um I really had to kind of push the boundaries. But it was also very satisfying in an iterative kind of way. And though and I what right. I really liked the most about it was that when I was done, I realized that I had what I had learned from the beginning of the end or to the end about how to put it together. And thankfully I didn't go back and change it because when I listen to it now, I still hear like how I changed what I was doing from the beginning to the end. Oh, right. Okay, With cool. Overlaying music or, you know, the way that I was editing it was different from the first, you know, the first 20 minutes was very different from the second 20 minutes. So it evolved as it, it went evolved, along. Yeah, in one show. 
yeah I don't, I don't think i could have noticed that if i hadn't been completely um you know completely fresh out of the box in terms of how to edit it you know how to edit it yeah you did it with beginner's mind yes mm -hmm. exactly exactly because there was no way to do it any other way <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I remember talking to you afterwards and you said you know i wasn't sure you were going to finish it because i think i called you at one point completely flustered and panicked that i couldn't make stuff work and you were just like you were very kind you were like well, i was worried i was worried about you dave <laughs> <laughs> well, to talk you down <laughs> <laughs> you were patient and and you figured it out. You figured yeah. it out. You got it. You kept asking the right questions and then and you just hammered it out, which is the oh. best way to learn. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then show five, we had some meditation updates. Um, that was, I don't remember that show as well. Um, was that the one where Mark talked? Was he telling us what we were doing? Mark, I feel they felt was really listening and getting what, what we were doing, even better than we knew what we were doing. The way he was yeah. interpreting things, I'm like, oh my God, this is really is something coming out of nothing now. Yeah. Yeah, we manifested in show number eight right well you were starting to do the interviews and i did a few we did a show on um journaling that was nine yep then um i guess it was our first major tom williams themed interview was with laurie friedman right, right. Uh, both laurie and libra that i kind of both of them were colleagues of tom so they i put them together Lever was show 14. And then in the middle, uh, we had The World is Not the World and the birthday episode. And then Maury Joseph. Then Maury Joseph. And, he, and that one had a psychological angle because he's a therapist. Uh, feedback loops was listener mail. Remember that? We, we read some emails from people who had reached out to us. That's right. And we had the, <clears throat> the rap Oh, uh, baby Albert's baby conditioning. Albert's conditioning. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was classic. And Danielle's Danielle was like very close. It was a very emotional episode. It was. It was very, really cathartic. Yeah. And then the John Michael Frank interview, which I—that's one of my favorites too. Just like the the tangents that you guys went all off on, and and wove it all together. So everything seemed seamless. Yes. And then show 17 was a follow-up to the Maury Joseph because Dave Foreman was best friends with Maury in high school. And we got to fill in the details of the songs that Tom and Maury wrote to raise money for Dave Foreman's self-published book. Which sold and out. 
<clears throat> you sold 2,000 copies of it. I mean, and he yeah. was um, he was apologizing for it. I'm like, I would love to sell 2,000 copies of anything. <laughs> <laughs> but you had mentioned in the episode that there was a, an, a, a book available on Amazon. And I went to I went to go check it out and they were already sold out. Oh, was, somebody bought it. Somebody bought it. Yeah. There That's was one cool. copy available. Probably like most of Tom's CDs on mm -hmm. CD Baby. Speaking of which, Dave uh, has scrounged up his thanks to his mom has found two of the CDs of songs that Maury and Tom wrote. And we've ripped those tracks and we're going to share them at some point in some fashion soon. A lot of songs I really like on there. Oh, yeah, they're fun. And some of them you can actually, you know, you hear Tom singing. You know, it's definitely him. <laughs> but it also sounds like a true collaboration. Like they, it sounds like they were writing those songs together. Yeah. Yeah. And he would, he would, he, he was accessible in that way. You know, he wasn't like a, an authoritative figure. He would, he would just let you go. And, you know, they, they had their, their process and, you could tell it was it was a good collaboration. And that leads us up to now, show eighteen. Show eighteen, and I want you, I just pulled out the oblique strategies, and I want to I want to show you the card that I got, and you can read it. Go outside, shut the door. That's a fitting <laughs> oblique strategy for the last show of the season. Absolutely, and I literally pulled that out at random.
Thanks so much, Dave. Oh, thank you. This has it's been a good season. I appreciate it. It's been uh, one thing. of the highlights of 2020. One of the few highlights of 2020. <laughs> you it's, got that right. Oh, my God. Really, really yeah. treasure the friendship. I do. Oh, me too. Yeah. Thank you for your creativity and your, uh, you're a force of nature. I don't think you realize it, but you, you just, you know, I was motivated by your direction. So well, thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. Likewise.